Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Good morning. A lot more energy this morning. It's good to be with you again this morning. Uh, what a good time of worship, yeah? yeah? Good time of worship. I'm looking forward to jumping into the scriptures with you this morning. Uh, I just want to start by saying a little bit about myself. Uh, obviously, my name is George Hopkins. Uh, my full name is George Adam Hopkins Jr., which means my dad's name is... I knew y'all would get that. That was a light one. That was easy. Good. Um, I, I have two older sisters. I'm the first boy, which is why I was named after my dad. I have a younger brother. So four of us, we grew up in South Baltimore in a neighborhood called Cherry Hill. That doesn't sound, it doesn't, uh, the experience of Cherry Hill is not as nice as it sounds. There's not many cherries. There's a lot of hills, a lot of walking, a lot of hills. Uh, but my mom raised us by herself as a single mom, raised four of us in South Baltimore. And um, as, we were, as we grew up, my my brother um, would often feel like he wasn't a part of the family for some reason. He was the youngest. He always felt like he got the short end of the stick when it came to everything. And um, one day, my mom did something that was just like not really good, right? So she, she's like what you might assume most parents are, even though I'm older and she's older than me. Um, she put a picture on Facebook and somehow made a mistake that when she posted a picture on Facebook, it, it cropped the picture, and it was a family picture. Y'all know where I'm going? Y'all guess who got cropped out of the picture? My brother did. He was so upset. He called my mom and was like, I knew it! I knew it! I am the one that you don't love! I am cropped out of the picture! And my mom felt so bad. She was like, I don't even know how to crop. All I did was load it, and some reason it resized it, so my brother, like, only half of his face was on the picture. And it was, like, months of turmoil. Y'all know family issues. It was months of, like, my brother really working and struggling with the fact that he's always felt like he was the least loved, and this picture where he was cropped out of the picture almost validated his feeling that he was the least loved. In many ways, we have a cropped picture of what it means for us to be loved by God. And at times, we might feel like in that cropped picture, we are inside of the image that has been remaining, or we feel like we've been cropped out of it, and are we able to be loved? In many ways, the question that we come with is, can God's love go beyond the boundaries of the cropped picture that we have of what it means to be a part of his family? Does his love reach into those areas of life beyond the cropped image and says, is love also theirs? My brother wondered, am I loved if I'm not inside of the picture, if I'm cropped outside of it? I, sometimes spiritually we ask that same question, am I still loved if I'm on the outside of this cropped image? Last night I told you we'd be in the book of Hosea, and Hosea was called by God to go marry a woman who was promiscuous. Sometimes in translation it says she was a prostitute, and her name was Gomer, and she went and married, and he went and married this woman named Gomer, and they had kids. And what blows my mind, and most times in our cropped image of how God works, and our image of how God works is he would say, Hosea, go marry a woman who used to be promiscuous. Hosea, go tell this woman how much you love her, and when she figures out how much you love her, and she gets her life in order, and that moment, Hosea, then you can marry her. And our cropped image of how God's reckless love works 
it's usually you have to first get things in order for you to receive that love. But God says to Hosea, this is what's crazy. Go and marry a promiscuous woman. She's still going to be promiscuous. And guess what? Still go and marry her. Which blows my mind is the Bible tells us that Jesus died for us when we were still sinners. That blows my mind that Jesus didn't just say, George, I'm going to love you when you realize how much I love you and you get your life together. That Jesus looked at me one day when I was a hot mess and was like, I love you. I've died for you. And my love goes beyond those boundaries. Do we test and wonder, can God's love really reach me when I feel like my wounds, my brokenness, my sin crops me out of the picture of his family. God calls Hosea, go and love a woman that many people would say should not be loved. He says, do this in Gomer's life because I'm doing this to my people Israel. I want them to know that even as they're doing all these things, my ultimate desire is for them to be loved by me. That in this cropped picture of what love is, I'm going outside of those boundaries to reach people who are serving and looking for love in all these other places. And as I mentioned last night, the people of God at some point in realizing who God's love is ended up putting other people outside. Have you ever been on the outside? Then you got on the inside. But when you got on the inside, you left everybody else on the outside? Y'all never did that. Y'all would never do that, right? Or you had somebody do that to you where you were like on the outside of something with somebody else and then they get in the in group. And then when they get in the angry, be like, they're going to still be the same person, but they aren't still the same person. Israel, who often have felt distance from God, realized God's love for them. And even in the New Testament, what you get is that Israel's then looking at the Gentiles and saying, hey, we're in, we're God's people. We are in the image of God's family, and you are out. And then I want to read to you Jesus' words in John chapter 10. John chapter 10, Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. He's saying this to the people of God, to Israel. And he says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd, and let me add one family. What is Jesus saying? He's talking to basically the people of God, Israel, and saying, listen, Israel, I am the shepherd. My sheep know my voice. When I speak, they follow me. But here's the thing. There's other sheep who aren't a part of this people group who you think shouldn't be. And I'm not just here for you. I'm going to those who are cropped out of the family picture. I'm going past the lines of the family picture. I'm going to them, and I'm going to bring them back into the picture, and there will be only one flock. One shepherd, one family. But what we see with Israel, as they looked at Gentiles and people who are not like them and excluded them, what we see is the reality is as people, as human beings, we often practice feeling better about ourselves by thinking less of other people. As human beings, we often practice feeling better about ourselves by thinking less of other people. It's as if in some way we're not validated, we're not dignified, we're not of any value unless someone else is beneath us or outside of the picture. It's one of the tendencies that we have, and, and that's why we have the cropped image of what family looks like and 
who fits into that image is those who are like us so that we can feel better, but those who are outside actually makes us feel like we're in. Because if we're in, that means that somebody has to be out. You know, a couple of years ago, well, no, just last year, 2019, I had these ideas of who I was and my cropped image of my family. And my dad wasn't in my life. He hasn't been in my life for most of my life. He's come in and out. A couple of years ago, he was present for about two years, and, and then he's gone. And um, there's some other things that I didn't believe about myself. And one of the things I've learned about life that I really want to give to you, our cropped image of what it means to be loved by God or accepted by God often is all the good things that we do. I'm going to be honest, I've been a teenager and I've been around teens enough. I know some of us have come with cropped pictures of ourselves this weekend. We're hanging out with our friends, we're with our youth group, we're with our youth leaders, we're with our youth pastors, and we have a cropped image of what we think everyone wants to see. And we've left out a lot of our story. We've left out a lot of our experiences. We've left out what life is like at home or in our community or what we're struggling with. All we've left in the cropped image is the good things that we think are accepted and celebrated. I want to encourage you that possibly this weekend, you would be willing to venture out beyond the cropped image into the mess and the weaknesses of your life. I've learned this about life, that strength, which we think strength is not having any weakness. We think that strength is the absence of weakness. What I have learned is that strength is the ability to actually look at your weaknesses. I know so many people who, who have strength, but when you bring up any weakness in their life, they don't have the strength to even look at it. I played football for many years, high school, college, and I've been around a lot of guys who were like, they were really good at bench press, and they get in the weight room, I'm like, that's great, let's go do some squats. They're like, no, nah, I'm good. Why? They hard. But if you want to get strong, don't you go towards your areas of weakness? We do the same thing with our faith. We, we only portray, we only put in that picture that everyone sees those things that we're good at, and we don't want anyone to see our weakness. I would actually say this. True strength is the ability to face your weaknesses, your brokenness, your wounds, your sin, and say, here it is, God. God, do you have the strength to love me even still? Last year, as I wrestled with this reality of facing my weaknesses in many different ways, I realized a couple of things. One is I played football, and I love playing football. I love lifting weights. I love doing sprints. You know what I hated and despised? Long distance running. Any cross-country runners in here? Show a hand. Yeah, I, I don't know why y'all do this. Like, you just run, and you run, and you run, and you go to sleep, you wake up the next day, and you run. So last year, I said, you know what? Like, I, I'm going to do things that I don't know if I can do. I'm going to get into my areas of weakness. And so I started running three days a week, about three to five miles every single time I ran, which is crazy, right? And then I ran a half marathon in October, 13.1 miles. Who does that? But I did it for two reasons. One is, God... I'm going to get outside of my boundaries, and I want to meet you there. I'm going to get into my weakness. So when I run in the morning, I'm running five miles, Lord, meet me there. When I'm running 13.1 miles in Baltimore, which if you, anybody knows about the half marathon in Baltimore, it is like eight miles uphill. I 
I thought I was going to die. When I'm running that race, Lord, in my weakness, meet me there. I need to see that your grace is not where I'm just comfortable. I want your weakness, your grace to hold me in the areas of my life that I'm weak. Physically, I did that. Emotionally, y'all, if I can get deep with y'all. I ran because I wanted some things to die as I ran that half marathon so that some other things can live. One of the things I had to struggle with internally that I had to be honest was true about me is my dad wasn't around, but when he was around a couple years ago, he just to talk to me. If you, for, um, when he would call me, he would always call me son. And I, it kind of sat wrong with me because he was never around. And whenever I'd answer the phone, he'd say, hey, son. And like, I'm just going to let my dad call me son because it's my dad. But you know what I didn't do is I never called my own son son because I would hear my dad's voice ringing in the back of my head and and so I realized, you know, I'm going to run this race and I'm going to get outside of the cropped lines of what it means for me to be who I am and for me to be loved. And I'm going to do something beyond those lines in the areas of weakness. And I want to see God's grace there. And so I run this race that's killing me physically, but it's, it's also giving me life. And as I'm running it, I'm also saying, Lord, transform me and give me the ability to call my son, son, without the baggage of my dad's voice. And I will say to you that the Lord has met me physically, emotionally, and spiritually in those areas of weakness. I wonder what areas of sin and weakness do you need to bring forward this weekend? I wonder how you might need to look at the picture that you've brought of who you are and that image that you have cropped about the, what you think people will accept and what you think God will love. And if you're willing to expand that picture and say, Lord, here's the reality of who I am. If you're willing to expand that picture to your youth leaders this week and say, this is the mess that I'm really dealing with inside of me. I want you to see all of who I am. I wonder if you will be willing to have the strength and the courage this weekend to face all of that mess and all of those areas of weakness and say, Lord, would your love reach even beyond the cropped image? Is your grace strong enough to meet me past the image of what I think love means? Would you choose to love me even though I don't have it all figured out? I wondered if we had the strength this weekend to be honest about our brokenness, our weakness, our sin, and our wounds. I wondered if we would feel the love of God outside those boundary lines of the cropped image. We're going to be together again tonight, but I would encourage you this morning and this afternoon, I would almost beg and plead for you. If you have an image that you're showing this weekend to everyone who's around you and you know it's your best foot forward, but you've cropped out the ugliness of your life, I would encourage you to include that in what people will get to know about you this weekend. I would encourage you to ask yourself, if God and my friends knew all of my sin and all of my brokenness and all of my doubts, is his grace sufficient enough to meet me there? I would encourage you to venture out past the beautiful cropped image to see if God is willing and able to even meet you in those places with his great love. As I end, I love singing that song, The Reckless Love of God. 
About two years ago, I was going to a retreat, and I was supposed to be preaching about the reckless love of God. And once in a while, when you want to preach something, God teaches you before you preach it, right? And so I was going to go preach, and that same morning, I was getting my car. I did some errands before I was going to get on the road to go speak at this retreat, and I was parking my car into uh, a spot in my front of my house, and this person drives by my car and hits the front of my car and keeps on driving. So I'm a kind of calm introvert guy, and usually when things happen, I'm like, it's okay. But this day, I was like, uh-uh. Put my car in drive, and I drove down the street, and the person pulled over, and I pulled up next to them. I said, you hit my car! And they said, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then, you ready for this? I finally, I finally got out of my comfort zone, stood up for myself, finally. And then this young woman starts crying. And I'm like, oh, no, not now. I'm finally standing up for myself. And now she's crying, and I know God's telling me, you need to pastor her. And I get on my knees at the window of her car, and I put my hand, and I tell her I'm a pastor. She's crying because she's had a horrible day. And I pray with her. My car's not up here this weekend, but it has this black spot on the front bumper, and every time I see it, it reminds me of that day when that girl hit my car and I understood the reckless love of God, which was this. All of it was a mess. When you see someone in a mess, you don't say, pay for my car and do all these things and put all these things in order. You look and you say, maybe we are supposed to meet because God loves you so much that even in the midst of this turmoil and this situation, I'm going to pray for you that you would know God's love. And then two weeks later, she doesn't live in my neighborhood. I get a note on the windshield of my car. And she's, I, uh, she doesn't see me. She just recognizes my car. She puts it there, and I read it. And the note basically says, listen, thank you for praying for me. She's like, I hear so much about who Jesus is, and I know all these things, but you in that moment loving me when I did wrong against you showed me so much what God's love looks like. And I got to tell you, I wouldn't mind it showing God's love in a more convenient way. Right? Huh? Yeah, well, wreck fool. Yeah, right? I, would have, I wouldn't mind it, but I'll tell you what, every time I see that little bump in my car, I think of this song. Because I think to myself, it meant more to love someone outside the cropped images of a perfect life. When they know and feel like they don't deserve it, and yet we still receive it, would you be willing to be that person? When you know you've done wrong, when you know you've been broken, when you know you've been hurt or have hurt others, to possibly, maybe this weekend, experience the reckless love of God. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your love. I even thank you now for the image that we have of what it means to receive your love. And that for some of us, either we are cropped out of that image or others around us are. I thank you for that image. And I thank you that you are a God who are who loves us enough to expand that view of what it means to be loved by you. I thank you for your call in Hosea's life that he would go and, and love a woman who did not even understand the vastness of his love, and he wasn't called to love her when she would understand. He was called to love her even still. 
So, Father, I thank you for those things because you do not shrink away from the mess of our lives. So when we courageously have the strength to address the weaknesses of our lives, the brokenness and the sin, and to bring all of that mess before you and experience the fullness of the power of your love. I pray that we would all be fully known and fully seen this weekend, that we may also be fully loved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Live After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.